Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another excellent show for you. I'll speak with Malachi Jones, the wide receiver for the Albany Empire, who helped lead the team to the last Arena Bowl title in 2019. He resigned with the team last week and will make his season debut Saturday at Jacksonville. My first guest will be calling the NBA Eastern Conference Finals for ESPN Radio, and he is the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio and the pride of Guildland in New York. It's Mark Ketchester. Kesty, how are you, my friend, and uh, how are things in Milwaukee? Probably you didn't expect, Kennedy, to, be, you didn't expect to be out yeah, there. <laughs> it's good to be with you, Ken. I did not. I, um, I I had a full tank of gas in my car on Friday night, and I said, this is either going to get me to Brooklyn, or if they don't win, it'll get me to Philadelphia, and never really considering that both of them would lose, especially the Hawks. No knock on Atlanta, but you know, I just figured the top seed in the East would prevail. But alas, as you know too well, um, yes, I boarded a flight from Milwaukee uh, Tuesday afternoon, and uh, here we are getting uh, getting ready for Wednesday's start of the Eastern Final. Yes, I guess we'll be uh, posting as a game one will have been played by the time we post this on uh, Thursday. But as as a journalist here in the Capital Region, um, yeah, Kevin Herter had the game of his life, and we're all excited for him. The Shenandoah High School grad, but personally, as a Sixers fan, I am angry with him right now. Well, actually, I'm angry with the Sixers. I'm angry with the way they played, and especially Ben Simmons. We'll talk about that in the moment. But Kevin Herter, I mean, he was mostly a six-man during the regular season, but for his performance in Game 7 Sunday night, 10 of 18 from the field, uh, 5 of 7 from the foul line, 2 of 4 from three-point range. He carried that team because Trey Young was having problems shooting. Everybody else on that team was having problems shooting, but was that the game of his life, you think, but this career-defining moment? Yeah, it is to this point, for sure. And, you know, credit to Nate McMillan, the Hawks head coach. He went with a smaller lineup the last three games of that series, maybe four, and inserting, you know, Kevin in there basically as, you know, another wing. Um, you know, and, and Kevin's no small guy, but – He's improved his game. You know, he's he, he showed some moves a couple of times off the dribble. I didn't know he had. You know, he's just not a, you know, stand out on the perimeter three-point shooter. So, you're right. Atlanta, this was not a good shooting series. And that probably makes it even uh, feel worse for 76ers fans, is this was not the way Atlanta shot the ball during the regular year, uh, not how they shot it against the Knicks, and certainly not how they shot it in game one of the second round series and they needed someone to step up. Uh, Bogey Bogdanovich is clearly not a hundred percent with a knee injury and they looked at the Kevin Herter and he delivered 10 for 18, couple of big threes. Uh, yeah, 27 points in a game seven. Uh, that is career defining for guys only been in the league for three years. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I was, I was in working. I had a rare Sunday. I was in the office working and, uh, I'm sitting, you know, obviously trying to do my job. I'm not, I wasn't being lazy or anything, but you know, I was just looking at the screen and uh, Adam Schindler, a coworker of mine, who's also a Philly guy, and Herder's just hitting style shots, and I'm thinking somebody get a hand in his face, and nobody ever did. 
it's true, and they weren't physical with them either. I mean, you see that a lot in the NBA, which, you know, maybe the rules have flipped that way to where you really can't do that when there's a guy who's out there just getting it done, whether it's, you know, Kevin Herter or you've seen on any number of teams. I think of Terrence Mann in that crazy Clippers comeback against Utah to uh, clinch that series. You think, like, somebody's going to knock him on his butt at some point, and it never happened. And uh, I'm not sure if they, they thought maybe Kevin would cool down at some point because he did have a game. I think it was game five where he had 15 first half points and he had nothing to do in the second half. Uh, but that's not how it came to pass. So you're right. They, they didn't quite make the adjustment on Kevin, and, and they needed every one of those 27 points uh, to pull out that win. So we have an Eastern Conference final with teams really nobody expected me. Atlanta was struggling, fired their coach. Nathan Villain takes over, and they're, they're there. And obviously Milwaukee somehow won that game, game seven against Brooklyn. There were some interesting offensive play calls late in that game, especially the one the Lopez in, at near the end of regulation. And uh, how do you look at this series? I mean, these two teams both battle, had to go seven games. Uh, they did get at least a couple days rest, but so uh, are we expecting another grinded out uh, seven game affair? Well, you know, I, I think looking at it from thirty thousand feet, I think many people feel Milwaukee's going to, you know, run them out. You know, maybe in four or five games. It's it, the contrast of styles. I believe, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out after game one. Uh, but it feels like you know Atlanta always wants to play with a ton of pace. You know, the faster, the better. I think Nate McMillan would like them to be sped up, you know, let by Trey Young. And then you have Milwaukee on the other side with, you know, really outstanding defense. Uh, you know, for a team that, you know, came within two or three inches of Kevin Durant's foot of being eliminated in the seventh game, you know, overall, they really did a good job against the Nets in the series. And I know it's a grind it out. And you're facing the same team seven times. But, you know, you, you never thought you'd see the Nets you know, scoring under 120 points on average at any point during the season. So Milwaukee's a really good defensive team. Atlanta's going to want to play with pace. Interesting to see, you know, how all that winds out. But you know what I find really interesting is Mike Budenholzer, who uh, I really enjoy covering. I know, you know, it's it's a source of issue here in Milwaukee, you know, uh, if he's the guy that's going to get them over the hump. Mm -hmm. But here he is probably minutes away from his reign coming to an end. And they win in overtime. They get to the conference finals after all the issues against Brooklyn. And now you think, okay, now he's safe. And I look at it from a different perspective. They're going to be such prohibitive favorites that if they don't beat Atlanta, he's going to be in the same spot. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's amazing. You think, all right, I got to the conference finals. Great. But if you don't get to the finals, again, no knock on the Hawks. But they're a year or two early, if at all. And this is a golden opportunity with home court advantage as the three seed that you didn't think you'd have. I feel like Coach Bud's going to be in the same hot seat again if Atlanta pulls this off. And the thing that gives me some hope that Atlanta has an opportunity to do it is they've been so good late in games. Uh, their clutch numbers have been through the roof in all these series. And they don't, they're almost too young to know what they're doing. You know, that old phrase where, they don't even know what they don't know. And they, they just go after games with reckless abandon. Trey Young can miss, you know, 35 shots in the last two games as he's had, but he hit a huge three-pointer in game seven. He's not afraid to take that shot late. So uh, I give Atlanta a good puncher's chance in this one. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, the only game I would say Atlanta had 
issues may have been the game they had the big lead in game one against the Sixers where the Sixers finally put some pressure on them. They didn't seem to handle it. But after that, as you said, this team, to me, plays like they, they're they playing with house money right now. They're playing relaxed basketball and enjoying themselves because they probably didn't think they'd be at this spot. Yeah, and I'm with Nate McMillan. I mean, he hasn't said it to us you know, publicly. I don't think he's mentioned it to anybody, but I have to imagine – and he's in those huddles, in those games within five minutes or within five points with five minutes to go. And it's like nobody expected to be here. You know, it's uh, like you said, house is money. We have nothing to lose. The, the, our future, you know, is, is right there in front of us. It may not be the present. And they go out there playing like they're not afraid to lose. And that is so important when no one expects you to win, you know, especially against the top-seeded team and now against the three-seeded team. And you can certainly make that case where they didn't have home court advantage against the fourth-seeded team, the New York Knicks. And we know what Trey Young accomplished at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, of course, uh, you know, you mentioned going back to the Bucks uh, for a moment. You know, two, a couple of years ago, they had they had home court in the Eastern Conference Final against the Raptors and ended up losing that series. Yeah, last year they lost in the uh, second round to the Heat in, in five. I maybe maybe throw out last year because of the bubble situation and all that stuff. But as you said, I mean, this seems to be the Bucks' time now, and I think you're right. The pressure is on them. Yeah, it's got to be squarely on them. And, you know, Drew Holiday wasn't here two years ago, but the rest of the, the, the core of this squad was with Giannis, and Middleton, and Brooke Lopez, you know, Pat Connaughton off the bench, all those guys, they remember just losing control of that series. They were up two games to none. They won both games here. Uh, I had the privilege of calling that series, and I remember we were going through customs in Canada with Hubie Brown, and it just it just felt like it was over. The, the Bucks were too strong for the Raptors. And, and the most amazing part is, I got to go back through the tape, but they had Milwaukee had a great chance in Toronto in Game Three, a game that went double overtime. That could have went either way, and the Raptors hung on and chipped away. And that's where a lot of the criticism for Budenholzer failing to make adjustments began. We saw a lot of that same discussion last year in the bubble, whether it was right or wrong. Um, and then you know we heard some of it in the Brooklyn series, because they look like world beaters against Miami. Now, the Heat aren't as good this year as they were last year, but when you um, you know saw them coming off that four-game sweep, you're like, this is the team that we all expected. This is Giannis at his most confident. Uh, this is the other players all stepping up for their roles. Uh, Mike Budenholzer uh, really narrowed his rotation at the end of the net series. And, you know, typically in the beginning of a new series, you know, he'll take a look at some of that depth that they haven't used of late. You know, Bobby Portis, who came out of nowhere and, you know, shot the ball from three, you know, so well during the regular season. Bryn Forbes, who's a great sniper out there. You know, they're not going to be playing 50 minutes, 52 minutes uh, like they did in that series. So it'll be interesting to see because there is a lot of pressure still as we pointed out, you know, facing a team like Atlanta instead of facing a team like Philadelphia, which has, you know, more of the traditional names in there. But as I've said a couple of times, you know, already in the last month or so, even though we don't have the big names and people are wondering, you know, are the ratings going to recede with whomever gets to the finals? Because these are markets and teams we're not familiar with. But but to me, you know, that that's really what makes it fun. And I know in this series, you're gonna, you have the wild fans inside Pfizer Forum. 
outside the building. They've got, you know, five figures amount of fans. The folks in Atlanta are really excited about it. We see what's going on in Phoenix and in LA with the Clippers. So to me, it's, if it's, if it's a blip and an opportunity to see some other teams, I'm all for it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, the top two teams uh, in the East that or aren't going to be there. And well, so I'll start with my Sixers. And uh, I'm, you know, my son listens to these sports talk shows in Philadelphia, and it's all you know, get rid of Ben Simmons. And Doc Rivers uh, didn't do a good job of making adjustments. Uh, first, of all, Ben Simmons, what is his problem? And maybe is this what does he have? What do they have to do? Is I mean, do they have to work with him or just you know make him get better? Or is it maybe time to move on from him? You know, it's it's such a complex question, and it goes all the way back, you know, to when he was the number one pick in the draft. Because you know, he's an outstanding, you know, uh, assist man. You know, he's big enough to defend anybody. You know, he has a knack for getting rebounds. You know, you're not expecting him to be a twenty-five to thirty points per game scorer, but you know, just by virtue of, of what he does, he's going to get his baskets. And then it is alarming that, you know, he never uh, really acquired a three-point shot. And then you take it into the mid-range, and then you take it to the free-throw line, and, and then he really had no confidence when he just passed up that shot right at the rim, uh, you know, in Game 7. So right now it's a lot of mental. Um, you know, you hate to give up on talent. It feels like there should be a change of scenery, and would any of us be shocked? First of all, I don't know how you move that contract, but it seems like, you know, any contract moves these days in the NBA, yeah. there's always a team that's willing to take him on and, and maybe even just flip him. You know, you think of Oklahoma City, right? Yeah, Daryl Moore, Daryl Moore moved Horford's contract uh, to Oklahoma City before the start of the, this past season. Yeah, so, these uh, are so, contracts you don't yeah. think they could be moved. Yeah. But, you know, every time we talk to Doc Rivers uh, before games, you know, he – and again, he's loyal, so he's going to be loyal to his guys. But, you know, he always said, you know, why would I bench – Ben Simmons, you know, because you know what he can do, as flawed as it was at the end here. So the early talk makes it sound like, you know, they're going to work with him. Um, but I still wouldn't be shocked, you know, if if they can find an avenue to make a change. Uh, that was about as I, I hope he's got some thick skin, doesn't pay attention to social media, uh, because that it could not have been worse for him, and I give him all the credit in the world for you know standing up and taking questions after it was over. Oh, and then you know I'm from Philadelphia, and I know we, we, Philadelphia sports fans are very tough, and it can be forgiving. But I mean, I don't know after how forgiving they're going to be until unless they see a dedicated and improved uh, Ben Simmons if he's with the team next season. It's hard. I mean, it's just hard to think of a professional athlete who struggles with a, a part of the game that you just don't feel you should struggle with at this point, especially, I know there hasn't been a lot of practice the last couple of years because we're in the COVID era. So maybe I give them a little bit of a break, but you know, you look, you look at guys who come in around the league to much less notoriety and you don't see it, but you know, they, they're there before practice. They're there after practice. They hone their skills and, you know, two, three years down the road, they get a shot and they take advantage of it. Um, you know, that's not the same path that Ben Simmons has been on because he's yeah. such a, you know, superior athlete and, um, you know, can just do it in a different way. Where as bad as, you know, we felt he played in game seven, if I'm not mistaken, he still had 13 assists. You know, it's 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 like we, we opened up with it when you first asked me. It is a complex answer. Mm -hmm. And that's what's sitting at the, the 
doorstep of the 76ers right now. And the number two seed in the East of Brooklyn Nets put together a super team and uh, came up short. Uh, Kevin Durant did everything he could in Game Seven, and uh, maybe the exhaustion of it. You know, it's, you know, had you saw that air ball in the overtime there at the end, but Harden was hurt, Irving was hurt. Yeah, you know, Blake Griffin had, had his moments. Uh, where, where do the Nets go from here? I mean, can they keep the, this uh, dream team together? Yeah, I think it's a it's a small window. You know, this was a great opportunity for them to win a championship right now. And unfortunately, health, um, you know, maybe more so than anything, took them out of it. I, I give their role players a ton of credit because when they traded for Hart, they traded away some really good pieces, uh, role player pieces in Brooklyn. And I wasn't sure if they'd have enough. And then even though, you know, two of the three weren't healthy or one of the three weren't healthy for much of the season, they still managed to score 120 points a game and get contributions from, you know, guys we never heard of, like, you know, Bruce Brown, who played so well. And, and then they go get Blake Griffin, who looked like, you know, he was uh, half a leg, and he turns in to a really good piece for them. So, uh, you know, it's it's a small window. I Every time I think I don't know how they can retool, I don't know how they can get another big player in there. I mean, I think they had no draft picks like four years ago. And they were able to, to turn it into what it is now. Uh, but what it is now, to me, is a very small window. I mean, there's a chance that all three may decide, you know, if they want to stay together, you know, and, and if Brooklyn can afford it and make it work, they will. But under the current contracts that they have, you know, it's next year and maybe the year after that. And then, again, you're talking about, you know, James Harden, who, as great as he is, is already starting to turn the corner on 33, 34, 35 years old. And Kyrie Irving, as great as he is, I don't even know how much he loves the game anymore or maybe loves the pro game. He may love basketball but doesn't like all the stuff that comes with it. Would it shock me if he retired early at some point? It wouldn't. So uh, to me, it's a small, short window, and they already lost one of those little notches on the way down by being injured and not coming through in round two. Yeah. Well, the other team in New York, the Knicks, they uh, got made basketball exciting again for their fans and played great uh, and got to the playoffs for the first time in a few years. Uh, do you like what they're doing with, uh, with Tom Thibodeau as coach? I do. I'm, I was so disappointed with, you know, how they played in the first round. You know, again, much credit to Atlanta, but uh, they didn't play in that series like they played for much of the year, especially Julius Randle. Um, you know, for the regular season at least, turned himself into a really, really good pro. And, you know, uh, you liked maybe some of the young picks that came out, thinking of quickly first, you know, coming over uh, in the draft late in the first round. And, you know, they're not perfect. Um, and you wonder if, if the grind of Thibodeau is something that could last long term, especially with the team as it matures. You know, that can become an issue, but uh, that was a breath of fresh air. If you're a Knicks fan, and if you love the Garden to be alive, like it was, especially as they were allowing fans back into it before uh, the postseason came around. So uh, how could you not love, you know, what they did after the expectations were so low? Where it goes from here, you know, we'll see how smart they are, um, you know, with their offseason work. And then we'll see if Julius Randle can keep up his pace and see if some other guys can come along with him. And how much fun is it being in the building again? Oh, man. <laughs> I, all I've talked about since the bubble 
was, you know, why aren't we on the road? And I knew why we weren't, but I can't wait to get back out onto the road. And, and the thing I look forward to most, not only is, you know, feeling the energy of the fans, because I could have been out on the road all season, but it wouldn't have been the same until they started opening up the buildings like they have in the last month or so. So I can't wait. Feel that energy. And uh, nobody cares about this except for me, but I want to be able to look at what I want to look at. And I, to me, I feel like that is a, for a radio man, you know, and you're such high description to be constrained by what I'm seeing through a television monitor, monitor, you know, has, has affected me. And I've had to dial it back like most of the broadcasters calling it off TV. And I'm looking forward to letting it loose again. So uh, it's, it's great to be back out on the road. And who are you going to be working with uh, this East final? I got uh, John Barry with me, my uh, main partner. He'll be with me here at the Eastern Conference Finals. And then looking forward uh, to going three-person again in the finals. Uh, this year it'll be uh, me, John Barry, and Doris Burke returning for his second straight finals. Uh, so we will have the... Uh, the three-man leave, if you will, or the three-person leave, if I want to make that uh, completely accurate for the NBA Finals. Well, Kesty, as usual, I appreciate you spending a little bit. I know you're busy getting ready for the game, and as I said, uh, by the time we post this podcast, game one will be complete, and uh, hopefully it'll be a, a entertaining and maybe a long series, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll have some fun listening to you on ESPN Radio. I'm hoping so. We may not know all the stars. The teams may not be familiar, but if they're good games and the series are long, uh, it doesn't matter. It'll be exciting, so we're looking forward to that. All right, Cassie, appreciate a few minutes, and uh, thanks again, and then uh, have a great uh, uh, final, Eastern final and, and NBA final. You got it, Ken. Thank you, and hello back to, uh, I know, uh, everyone back in the Capital Region. Uh, always great to be on with you. And, of course, you'll probably run into Tim Reynolds, another uh, Capital Region uh, guy who's covering NBA for the Associated Press. I hope so. I love Tim. One of my favorite guys. And uh, I'm looking forward to going back uh, to Gilderland. Um, they have a yearly golf event, uh, which raises money for uh, athletes and scholarships for Gilderland High School. So I think I've done that four or five years in a row. That's one of my favorite dates on the calendar, running to some old high school friends and uh, uh, some others from around the region. Maybe uh, this year a trip up to Saratoga to see the track. So. Uh, you may, I may leave the Capital Region, but the Capital Region never leaves me. That's good. That's good to hear. Well, Mark, again, thanks to my friend, and then we'll talk soon. Thanks, Ken. All right, that's Mark Ketchester. Coming up, we're going to talk arena football. You know arena football, right, Mark? I love that. Firebirds, back in the day. It was awesome. <laughs> well, we're going to have Malachi Jones of the All of the Empire. He just rejoined the team uh, this uh, the last week. We'll have his uh, comments coming up here on the Parting Shots podcast. Hi, this is Miles Reed, editor of the Daily Gazette. These are difficult times. For most of us, the coronavirus crisis has been a time of unprecedented upheaval, uncertainty, and fear. What does it all mean for our health, our families, our jobs, and our futures? At the Daily Gazette, our journalists have been working tirelessly to answer these questions and many more that have come up during this whole pandemic. How many people have tested positive locally? How many have died? Has anyone died in the local nursing homes? Now, in these difficult times, we're turning to you to support our work by purchasing a subscription or making a donation to help fund our daily efforts. With your support, these are the questions we're continuing to report on. 
Every day, our reporters and photographers have been working the streets and the phones to answer these critical questions. And every day, they answer the bell with their timely and well-documented reports from the front lines in the region. Behind the scenes, the rest of our editorial team, including our sports writers, copy editors, and digital producers, have been wholly focused on covering the COVID-19 story. During this critical time, everyone here at the paper is working to provide important news and information to keep the community safe and connected. But our ability to serve our community is being threatened by some economic challenges posed by the pandemic. We have stay-at-home orders, business closures, and school shutdowns, and they're contributing to the massive instability in the local business landscape. Despite all of these changes, the Gazette will remain committed to serving the community for many years to come, just as we've been doing unfailingly for the past 125 years. So please go to thedailygazette.com and donate or purchase a subscription to the Daily Gazette. Thank you, be well, and please keep reading. Sign up for the weekly Daily Gazette sports newsletter. The newsletter features updates on the local sports scene from our staff writers, debate on topics local and national, and reveals the latest guests for the Parting Shots podcast. The newsletter is free. To sign up, head to dailygazette.com. Hi, I'm Tom Anas, head coach of the Albany Empire. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor, Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. My next guest had an outstanding two-year run with the Albany Empire, culminating with winning the final Arena Bowl championship in 2019. He's back with the Empire after signing a contract last week, and he will make his season debut Saturday in Jacksonville against the Sharks. Here's my conversation with wide receiver Malachi Jones. Well, Malachi, uh, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a couple years since we had a chance to chat. I hope things are well, and uh, welcome back to the Albany Empire. No, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me back on the show. Um, you know, it's been an absolute whirlwind the past couple of days. So I'm excited to get a chance to play football in the Capital Region again. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how tough was it with the pandemic not being able to play last year? I think your options were really limited. As, uh, the NFL didn't come calling, and I think it was just that spring league that was on Fox Sports. Uh, that was about it. I mean, the options were sort of limited last year. Yeah, man, it was, it was extremely hard. You know, I was under contract with the CFL, and I was really looking forward to getting my career started uh, north of the border. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, things had a different plan. Um, but, you know, it's all good. You know, I think everything happens for a reason. And it gave me an opportunity to know that there's life after football, which is um, kind of the direction I'm deciding to go with Lemon and uh, all that good stuff, man. But, but yeah, man, no, it was extremely hard. But like I said, I'm just blessed to be able to play football here in 2021. Yeah, I mean, you're coming to a team that's four and zero. It's in the new league, and yeah, Tommy Grady's Tommy Grady at this point as usual. Just the, he's leading the league in passing. I mean, you know, you're going to play for the first time uh, this week uh, against Jacksonville. How how easy will it be just to, to get that reconnection with Tommy again? You know, hopefully it's uh, kind of like riding a bike. You know, obviously I haven't played football in two years, but at the end of the day, it's still football. So I think, uh, you know, get an opportunity this week to practice a little bit, get a time to write down. And um, like I say, it should be pretty, should be pretty good on Saturday, God willing, man. But, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I know Tommy and I are, are excited to get the opportunity to play with, each, uh, play with each other again. 
And, uh, you know, hopefully it's like that first game back um, in 2019 when I came back from Columbus and it's kind of just, you know, get the ball back going. And once we get going, um, you know, we're rolling. So Yeah. Uh, obviously a new coach uh, this year in Tom Minaj. Uh, have you had a chance to talk with him? He had some nice things to say about you uh, in the press release. Uh, what he said was there's no better person out there on or, or off the field if you don't like Malachi Jones and you don't like puppies or Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I did hear that. But, yes, I've had a couple opportunities to speak with Coach, and you know I'm looking forward to uh, getting the opportunity to uh, you know, play for him and learn underneath him. And, um, you know, like I said, just uh, keep this – undefeated season going yeah the fact that teams are playing well i mean it seems like obviously new coach and a new league uh it seems like they've picked up where they left off uh, when they won the arena bowl championship yeah no absolutely i mean we brought back some key guys and, and tommy grady and then um you know we added some weapons as well uh you know just from these former afl days man but you know this team is great man you know this team was winning a lot of football games um prior to me joining so you know it's just nice to, to have the ability to just join a winning team and hopefully just add uh like i said to the arsenal that um is our offense and just continue to play well and just help the team out in any capacity that i can yeah uh, the one thing i you know when you won the championship for the arena bowl 2019 i know is everybody's happy and all that and to see what happens to the Arena Football League just a couple months later to see, you know, file for Chapter 7 bankruptcy and, 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 and fold for, forever. I mean, how disappointing was that coming off the championship? Because you, obviously, you're, you're looking forward to defend the title in, 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 in 2020. Of course, of course, we know what happened in 2020. But would it, you know, just to be able to not you know, you end, up, end up being the last Arena Bowl champion. So I guess in a way that's good. But in a way, you know, you know it's kind of like... It was sad to see how this arena football league ended. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was it was a shock to everybody. Um, you know, that was the last thing uh, I was expecting because I thought the league was in pretty good standard just as far as the re- the revamp and and everything else, man. Um, but yeah, no, it was definitely a shock to the gut. And obviously, you know, we won the opportunity to defend our title. I mean, a lot of guys were talking about coming back, including myself, and you know, what I'm saying just playing for multiple years in Albany and just continue to win championships and all that good stuff. I mean, the community alone, you know, it's just awesome. You know, it just, it's, it breathes the arena football, which is why it's so inviting, um, you know, for guys to come back and want to play. So um, the fact that we never got the opportunity to defend that AFL title um, was sad, but, you know, like I said, life happens and it happens quick. And, you know, we just got to adjust and, and move on and just keep looking for the next best thing. Yeah. I mean, is, is the NFL still a possibility for you? Is there still a, a dream that maybe you'd like to get some some notice uh, you know, for, for training camp in, in, in August? Yeah, I mean, my, my, my thing with the NFL at the moment, you know, I've had two stints when I signed with teams. I worked out for more than half the league over the last three years. And, um, you know, obviously – Playing in the NFL is an absolute dream dream of mine. Um, you know, I would love to get on a roster and stick on a roster. Um, but also, I'm kind of just at the point in my life where I'm ready to um, just become financially stable and um, kind of get a career going, which is why, you know, this is kind of, you know, I, I'm glad I'm getting this opportunity to play because ultimately what led to me retiring from the CFL uh, with the job opportunity that is presented with me and Luke Lemon. Uh, down in Alpharetta, Georgia. So, um, 
yeah, man, like, obviously, I would love to play football. I would love because, you know, the NFL is very stable as far as finances go. Mm-hmm. And it hadn't been too affected from COVID. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I got to make a living for myself. And I know football is not going to last forever. So, you know, it's, just, it's kind of like one of those, I would absolutely love the opportunity. But I'm also, like, at peace if I never get another opportunity because I did um, have two stints with the Falcons and the Bears. So. It's just kind of like one of those things, man. I'm, as long as I get a chance to play football, I'm always going to do my best and, and perform at a high level and, you know, let the tips fall where they may. Yeah, and obviously the the USFL is coming back in 2022. You have the XFL is probably going to come back in 2022. So there could be some opportunities there for you too. No, absolutely. I mean, hopefully, you know, COVID is somewhat contained um, by the time, you know, spring rolls around next year and hopefully – you know, the XFL and the USFL can become financially uh, viable so we don't have, like, these one-and-done spring leagues that we've unfortunately had over the last couple of years. Um, because I would love to see spring football. I mean, I think it's a great concept. You know, you get football year-round, and you give guys like myself who are kind of like those fringe guys on NFL and CFL rosters an opportunity to, to play and get tape and, and get paid to do it. So, you know, I hope it works out. And, you know, if an opportunity in the XFL or the USFL presents itself, I will absolutely um, I will absolutely look into it and see what's best for myself and my family. Yeah. Now, of course, the Empire won't be home again until mid-July. I mean, how much are you looking forward to playing in front of the uh, Times Union Center fans again? Oh, so exciting, man. And, and the even better thing is that, you know, um, capacity was open back up to 100%. So, you know, hoping that over the next few weeks people – you know, continue to get vaccinated so they can come into the game and have a great time. And I'm hoping we can pack out that arena uh, like we used to do in 2018 and 2019. What is it about the fan base that they love this arena football so much? You know, one thing I think plays a huge role into it is that there's not, um, you know, there's not too many professional teams um, in the Albany area. You know, you don't have an NFL team or anything like that, an MLB team or an NBA team. So, you know, everybody naturally gravitates towards sports. And when you have a great product, like we have in Albany Empire and, and the surrounding teams around Albany, you know, it just naturally draws people. And then obviously when, you know, community is a huge point of emphasis for myself and it was for the Empire over the last few years, you know, you get fans engaged, you get fans wanting to come out and support. And I just think that's what it's all about, man, just um, supporting the same fans that support us and just making sure that they know that we appreciate them just as much as they appreciate us. Well, Malachi, it's great to have you back on the Empire. I look forward to seeing you back at uh, Times Union Center next month and maybe uh, deliver another arena championship to the Albany area. Uh, yes, sir. You know, I'm, like I said, I'm so, uh, I'm so happy and so blessed to have this opportunity to come back. Man, I could not be more excited. Albany, you're going to get the best out of me. And uh, like I said, we're, hopefully we make this championship run. Okay, Malachi, appreciate it again. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and announce the latest winner in the Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest in just a moment. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. The NASCAR season is here, and it's time to play the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Go to dailygazette.com to sign up and play. Predict the order of finish of each race via your auto racing account. The fan with the most correct points for the race will win a $50 grocery card and have their name mentioned on the Party Shots podcast and printed in Friday's Daily Gazette. 
the fan with the most overall points at the end of the season, wins a $250 grocery card. You can also win a $75 Visa gift card provided by Second Street if you're the weekly national winner. If you are the overall national winner, you will win a trip for two to the 2022 Daytona 500. So go to dailygazette.com, sign up, and play today. The Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Union Women's Hockey Coach Josh Skiba. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 17 winner in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest is Everett Warner of Fonda. Everett wins a $50 grocery card. Congratulations, Everett. The VIP winner was Scott Lucier of Capital Land GMC. I'll be announcing the weekly winner of the contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. If you'd like to play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the link for contest and promotions. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I would like to thank Mark Keshisher and Malachi Jones for coming on. The podcast will have a one-week break. I'll be back with a new edition on July 8th. Of course, that is subject to change. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot. That's S-C-H-O-T-T at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.